Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Creation Anew. I'm Randy Weddle. I am the pastor of Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana. And I'm also the pastor of Mount Pleasant Christian Church, located in the great town of Hall, Indiana. And I'm your host as well for Creation Anew. That's the podcast you're listening to, by the way. And we're here to challenge you. We're here to present the claims of Christ to challenge you with the truths of Christ. And I hope that you'll stay and listen. And if you are listening to me for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're with me. And I'm also glad if you are uh, coming back and you have the courage <laughs> to, to listen uh, to more of these episodes. I'm so glad that you came back. Hey, what are we going to talk about today? Well, what I want to do is I want to go through two epistles of Paul, and they are First and Second Thessalonians. They're pretty short epistles. I would encourage you, if you've never gone through them, that you would uh, you would take the time to go through. If you read through both epistles, you're probably looking at maybe. 30 minutes worth of reading. It's not very much at all, and it would be well worth your time. Now, here's the question. Why are we going through First and Second Thessalonians? Well, here's the reason why, guys. It's a scary world out there, and our world has gotten just a, even more scary and more weird and more goofy, um, especially this year than in many other years. And we are getting shaken out of our comfort zones. When I say we, I, I think pretty much the whole world is being shaken out of our comfort zones. I know that most of you listen uh, from the United States, and it, you know what's going on here. People are losing their jobs, or they're scared they're going to lose their jobs. I can tell you, as a pastor of two churches, um, there have been many funerals where family and friends there, there 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 really is no time to grieve you can't hold the hand of the dying person you can't say goodbye there's a lot of stress and a lot of fear and a lot of uh, things going on we have a presidential election that we still are not sure here in the united states who's the president so there's a lot of unknowns there's a lot of different things going on it's scary and we need to go back to a time when some other people were scared there were people who were believers in a in a city called Thessalonica and they were a little scared too they may have been given some bad information and they were confused about things and they needed to be encouraged and that's what i want to do by going through First and Second Thessalonians with you all, I want to encourage you. Are you scared today? Well, if you are, I would encourage you to stay and, and see what God's Word says about troubled times, about times that are uncertain, about times that are scary. So grab your Bible and follow along with me we're going to go into first thessalonians and we're going to take a look at some background on this book first of all just briefly this book is an early 
um, writing of the Apostle Paul's, and it's a it's an epistle. What's an epistle? Well, an epistle is like a personal letter. It's um, it would be like a letter for us today. So Paul is writing to a group of people. You, we see a lot of personal tones in this in this book. Definitely a lot of encouragement. And the situation was that Paul, on um, on one of his journeys, goes through what is modern day Greece. That's where Thessalonica was located. It was in modern day Greece, and he goes through. And he evangelizes some people in this city of Thessalonica, and there are people that become believers. And a church develops. Now, the church was mainly uh, Gentile, but there were Jews and Gentiles in this church. And they had their issues just like anybody else. And Paul um, had to leave Thessalonica and he didn't really want to leave but he had to leave and he goes on and eventually makes his way down to Corinth which would be south uh, of Thessalonica and he was concerned about the people of Thessalonica because they were going through difficult times they were being persecuted they were being um, given wrong information and Paul was just wanting to make sure that they were going to be okay so he sends a friend of his by the name of Timothy, up to encourage these people and also to kind of check in and see how they were doing and get a report back to Paul. Well, Timothy does that. He goes and meets Paul in Corinth and gives an overall good report about these people. And Paul is encouraged, but he wants to help them more, so he writes to them, and that's where we get First and Second Thessalonians. So we're probably looking at early A.D. 50, when, when Paul was writing this, in the early A.D. 50s, somewhere around in there. Um, when he wrote this, it, um, it would have been before some other books that he wrote, like Romans and Galatians and Corinthians. And so it was an early writing of Paul. And he's writing to them to encourage them to hang in there, stay with the truth, know that God is with them, and that they're, everything's going to be okay. So Paul is encouraging these people. And for the most part, this book was considered from the very start as scripture. It was quoted by early Christian leaders, and which tells us that the early church thought that this was inspired writing, that it was, um, it was a book that, uh, that would belong in the Bible, that, that, uh, that it was scripture. So that's a little bit about First Thessalonians. And we're going to get right into things, and uh, let's, let's go uh, and do that. So here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to start off, and let's just, let's just go through the whole chapter here. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Now, Silvanus, you may see his name as, as Silas. 
it's the same guy. Timothy and Silvanus were friends of Paul, and throughout First and Second Thessalonians, Paul writes in terms of we, and he's talking about himself, Silvanus, and Timothy. And he starts off and he says, grace to you and peace, as he's writing to the Thessalonian believers. And then he says, we give thanks in verse 2 to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. And Paul is an example of praying for the, for the church, praying for other brothers and sisters. And he says, we're thankful to you guys. Verse 3, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. So Paul starts right off the gate here, and he is thankful, and he is encouraging these people. Number one, have you ever had someone say, I'm so thankful for you? And then they start saying the good things about you for which they, they give thanks. Doesn't that make you feel good? Well, Paul is doing that to the Thessalonian believers here. And he's remembering some good character. He says, we constantly bear in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. These people had faith in God. They had a labor of doing good things to others, loving them. And they had a, a strength of hope. Their hope was built upon Christ, and it was a steadfast hope. Now, hope there is not like, well, I hope it rains tomorrow so my plants will be watered. Hope in a biblical term is an expectation of something that's promised and you expect it and and you it's like I, i'm gonna bet the ranch on this that it's gonna happen that's biblical hope and paul says we uh, we are bearing in mind these things in you and that you have a hope in the lord jesus christ and that verse four we know beloved he, I'm sorry, let me take a step back. Verse 4, he says, knowing brethren beloved by God. Once again, he's, he's, he's kind of just making these little encouraging statements and saying, you people are dear to God. We know of his choice of you. That's another encouragement right there, that God has chosen them. And we're going to see as we go through here, the reason why Paul is encouraging these people and why these words mean so much. Verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. In other words, the word of God came not just, um, not just as Paul says, in word only, but it came in power. The power that God used to use Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, he, he enabled them to speak the truth. And it also came in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of conviction and letting people know that God's word is true. And the, the word of God also came with full conviction. In other words, the Thessalonians, when they heard the gospel, they were convinced that it was the truth. And just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake, 
you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, we, we came to you and you believed our word and you became examples of us. You were following us. That's kind of a normal thing. A new believer will usually look up to someone else that's 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 been in the faith longer and they will be an imitator of them but then in verse 7 paul says so that you became an example to all the believers in macedonia and achaia so they didn't just stay as imitators they also became leaders there in thessalonica and to uh, to do so to influence people in macedonia which is the area in which thessalonica resided and Achaia was the area that was south of, of Macedonia. It would be where uh, Corinth was. Verse 8, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God, or toward God, has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. And Paul says, you are, being, you, are, you are like a mouthpiece for God to all the other regions. And he says, for these other regions, in verse 9, they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescued us from the wrath to come. So in other words, he said, look, you guys are becoming leaders. You guys are becoming a mouthpiece. People are hearing about what's happened to you. People from far and wide are hearing how you turn to God from idols. They've heard about your conversion. And they're hearing about you waiting for, for Jesus, the Son of God. So Paul is just, he's coming right out of the gate and encouraging these people. And he's encouraging them to, to direct them to, to make sure that they are assured that they belong to God and that they are um, they're loved of God and that God has not forgotten them. Okay, so let's take a break and then we're going to move forward. And that's chapter 1. We're going to move forward in uh, in First Thessalonians and keep going here. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back. All righty, guys, we're back, and we're about to go into First Thessalonians chapter two. So let's go ahead and do that without delay. Verse one says, "For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after." We had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi. And by the way, if you go back to the book of Acts, you'll see where Paul and Silas were treated, how they were treated in Philippi. They were treated terribly. They were beaten. They were um, um, abused as citizens of Rome. They were treated illegally as citizens of Rome, and they were thrown into basically more than likely what was a hole in the ground. They were put in stocks, and they were treated awfully, and they suffered 
And Paul mentions that in verse 2. He says, But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. They had opposition in Philippi, for sure. There were good things in Philippi, but they had a lot of opposition. They also had opposition in Thessalonica, too. Verse 3, For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity, but by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. Paul says here that we came to you with pure motivation. We didn't want to just give you any gospel. We didn't want to tell you what you wanted to hear. We wanted to give you the truth. And we were approved and entrusted with the gospel, so we spoke as people who were pleasing God rather than men. Verse 5, For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with the pretext of greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. Paul says again, We didn't come telling you what you wanted to hear, but we didn't, and, and we also didn't want to come trying to just get money out of you. We didn't want to come and get um, applause, but we wanted to come and give you the gospel. And even though we may have had rights as leaders in the church, we didn't even want to, um, to exercise our rights. Verse 7 said, But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. You see, Paul didn't just say that we wanted to give the gospel. He said, you were so dear to us when he says we, we were willing to impart our own lives. He means we were willing to give our own physical lives for you. And that should say something about the love between believers and the extent to which it goes. Verse 9, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. Now, we'll see more of this as we go along, but Paul Paul and his, his associates were, were wanting to come without any pretense to the Thessalonian people. And they wanted to live in an upright life, an upright way, to to um, to do what basically just do the right thing to live the way they should, but to be examples, and and to encourage the people of Thessalon uh, Thessalonica to do the same thing. And that tells us something about ministers of the Word of God. We need to live in a non-hypocritical way, and I, I say that about myself, too. If we're going to speak about God's Word, we need to be living God's Word as well. And the Apostle Paul was trying to do that. They were not trying to 
um, to um, even try to, they were trying to minimize expenses for these people um, and work hard so that, the, that it wouldn't be a burden to the people. Verse 13, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And he said, we were just thankful that that you received God's word. You heard the gospel and you received it not as something just from us, but as it really is um, God's word. Verse 14, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. And Paul says, you guys are like the church in, in Judea. They're being persecuted by their own people, and, and uh, you're being persecuted by your people. And even amidst persecution, you received the word of God and trusted the Lord Jesus for salvation. Verse 15, it's these Jews who were persecuting the church in Judea who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. And Paul says, listen, hey, these Jews that are that are harassing the Christians in Judea, they're going to get theirs. And they have a, a long track record of displeasing God and hindering the gospel. And they're going to get paid back. And believe me, anybody that hinders and is an enemy of the gospel, they're going to get what they've asked for. God will God will take care of them. Now, in verse 17 of chapter 2, we see Paul kind of making a little gear shift here. And he says, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. And I believe that hindering there is more than likely a reference to the Jews that kept following Paul and harassing him no matter where he went and getting him kicked out of cities and such. Verse 19, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul says to the Thessalonians, you guys, you are our hope in terms of not hope for salvation, but we, we are looking forward to what God is doing and is going to do in you. And you are our joy. You are the reason why we are doing what we're doing. We, we, you are like a crown uh, on our heads, and we're going to turn that crown into the Lord Almighty, and it'll be His glory. And at the end, Paul says, you are our glory and joy. I feel the same way about the people that I serve in churches, that I want them to grow, and it is a pleasure for me to to help them to mature in Christ and someday to see them um, before Christ and to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't need 
anything else, that's enough right there. That is uh, that would be well worth all of the hassles of ministry and the hardships of ministry. Let's go into chapter three. And we'll just keep rolling right along the, um, then. It says in chapter in verse 1, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. Now, Paul was left behind at Athens, but Timothy goes on back up to Thessalonica, and we see that verse 2. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. These afflictions were the persecutions that the Thessalonians were going under. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, so the Thessalonians are suffering affliction. Paul is suffering affliction, and but Paul wants to see them, so he sends Timothy uh, to, to go up and check on them. Verse 5, For this reason, when we could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. Now Paul was not concerned that the Thessalonians were going to lose their salvation. He was concerned that they weren't going to grow, that they were going to actually be going backwards. That's what he means by his labor being in vain. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. So we, we, we like what we hear, in other words. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. I feel the same way about the people that I serve. If they are growing in Christ, I am happy as I can be. Verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day Keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Paul says, we're giving thanks, but we really long to get back to you and to help you grow even more. That's what he means by completing what's lacking in their faith, helping them to grow. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself, Jesus, let me stop and let me read that better. I'm sorry. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Can you hear the affection that Paul has for these people? I want to get back to you. May God get me back to you. And may God cause you to grow and increase in your love. And, and may he establish your hearts and strengthen you and, and bring you without blame before him whenever Jesus comes. And we see again where Paul is encouraging them. 
These are people that were, we're going to learn. They wondered if they missed the coming of the Lord. And Paul is talking about the coming of the Lord as if it's not happened yet. I think he's doing that for a specific reason and on purpose. But Paul is very affectionate to these people. And brothers and sisters in Christ should be affectionate today to one, for one another. All right. Let's take... <clears throat> Let's take um, um, a stopping, or let's make a stopping point right here, and um, let's let's take another break, and then we'll come back and uh, and finish uh, at least finish some more of First Thessalonians. All right, we're back, and we're going to go into First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one. Paul says, finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commands we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not, who do not know God. Now, this could be an issue of Paul just reminding them some things that he was telling them when they were, uh, when they first believed, and just saying, hey, just remember, stay away from sexual immorality. And sexual immorality, uh, in this case, would be fornication, and it would be kind of a, a, a general sense of, of sexual immorality. You can find God's parameters for sex in Deuteronomy. Um, you can find it in there and, and see God's parameters for sexual relations. So Paul says, I just want to remind you how you ought to walk and, and that you keep going. And I don't know if there was an issue of immorality. It, it doesn't really sound like it. It sounds like maybe there was in the past and now there, there is not. And Paul says, just learn how to possess your vessel, meaning your body, in a way that is, is in accordance with God. Because God's will is that, um, that you walk in purity. It's, Paul says, God's will is your sanctification, your separation from the world, and that you stay away from sexual immorality. And he says, don't live in lustful passion like those who do not know God. And in relation to that, he says in verse 6, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. I think it's the matter of sexual immorality. Because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but for sanctification. Paul, and, and this is what kind of makes me wonder if this was an old problem that Paul is just reminding them, hey, just continue to stay away. Because he's talking about defrauding one another in a sexual manner and he goes on and he says look if you don't listen to this in verse 8 you're rejecting God and then he turns around in verse 9 and he says now as to the love of the brethren you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another for you 
for indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. Well, it sounds like they are loving one another. They're not defrauding one another. So I think this sexual immorality is an issue that was in the past, and Paul is just reminding them, hey, stay the course on that and just stay pure. And he says at the end of verse 10, we urge you, brethren, to excel still more in love for each other. Verse 11, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to tend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. We'll see that is somewhat of an issue as we get into Second Thessalonians, that people were, they were living disorderly lives, and we'll find out what that means. Now, we go into verse 11 of chapter 4, and Paul switches gears again and starts talking about future events. He says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now, there was an issue. These people in Thessalonica, these believers, were starting to see their brothers and sisters die. That's what Paul means by those who are asleep. He, he refers to, to people, uh, to believers who have died as sleeping, which is kind of a comforting thing. And he says, listen, let's talk about that. We don't want you to be uninformed, and we don't want you to grieve like you have no hope. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that, that statement is an if statement, but in the Greek it means we do believe that. <laughs> and he says, if we, you know, since we believe that, we also believe that God's going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. In other words, God is not going to forget believers who have died. So, verse 15, for, we say, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul says, not only are the dead in Christ going to not be forgotten, they're actually at the rapture, at the coming of the Lord. They are going to go first. Now, if you look at this on the surface, it sounds kind of creepy about, you know, the dead rising from their graves and, and, and going up in, into the, the sky. But with Christ, those bodies are going to be immediately remade. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, about the resurrection of the dead. It's not going to be a creepy thing. It's going to be a glorious thing. And those dead, uh, the, the dead in Christ, even though their souls are with the Lord, their bodies are, are buried or, um, you know, whether they've, they've been blown up or obliterated, their bodies are going to be remade. And they're going to they're going to come out of their resting spots, their graves and join their souls and be in the air with the Lord. And then Paul says uh, that the Lord is going to come and there's going to be some kind of signal. He says he's, uh, that the Lord is going to descend from heaven with a shout. 
that the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God are going to sound. I don't know exactly what those are, but those are some kind of symbol, uh, signal, some kind of war cry or, or, or call to the church. And he said, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, in verse 17, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Now, that sounds wonderful. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then those who are still alive at the coming of the Lord, at the rapture of the church, in other words. They're going to follow the dead, and then we're going to be caught up in the air with God, and we're going to be together, never to be separated again. And Paul says verse in verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Now, Paul has done several things here. He has informed them about the dead in Christ, but he's also reminding them again, they haven't missed the coming of the Lord. It's yet to take place. So this is this book is is just filled with encouragement. So as we move on, let's get into chapter five. We're almost done with this book. So verse one says, Now as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Now Paul was just talking about the coming of the Lord. Now he's talking about the day of the Lord. They are two separate things. The coming of the Lord is when the church is raptured. The day of the Lord is when Jesus returns for final judgment on the earth. Verse 3 here says, While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with a child, and they will not escape. So this is a judgment. This is not comforting for those, especially for those that are unbelievers. Verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So Paul says, You're not apart of the day of the Lord because you belong to Christ and this was important too because these people thought they had missed the coming of the Lord and that they had possibly been in the period of judgment and Paul says nope that's not you that's not for us verse 6 then let us not sleep as others do but let us be alert and sober for those who sleep do their sleeping at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night. In other words, um, sinful activities are usually done under the cover of darkness. Verse 8, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we are not going to be judged like the world is going to be judged. We're going to be taken up into the air. Will we be judged? Yeah, we'll be judged on on how obedient we were to God, but not based of, that's not going to determine our salvation. The world is going to be judged much differently. They're going to be judged 
at the day of the Lord. So verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ, verse 10, who died for us, Paul says, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. So Paul says, again, he's giving encouragement to these people and saying, there is a day of judgment, but that's not going to be for you and that you should encourage one another. So from the rest of chapter 5, we see some housekeeping items and some cleaning up items and, and things to finish out this epistle. But we request of you, brethren, this is verse 12, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. In other words, those who are serving you, the leaders, the elders, the pastors, um, esteem them. Live in peace. We urge you, verse 14, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. In other words, warn those who are living an unruly or sinful life, those who are, are disobedient, Encourage those that may be um, struggling with things, the faint-hearted. Help those who are weak in their faith and be patient with everyone. Verse 15, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. And then in little little short staccato type statements he says in verse 16 rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is god's will for you in christ jesus do not quench the spirit do not despise prophetic utterances but examine everything carefully hold fast to that which is good in other words um don't quench the spirit don't live disobediently the spirit is kind of represented as in a fire and he said don't quench that spirit and and don't despise prophetic utterances things that are spoken like thus saith the lord okay um you don't don't despise those but check them out he says examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good now, that doesn't mean that all prophetic utterances um, um, that everything when someone says thus saith the Lord it doesn't mean that that's God's word it should mean it but people will go outside of scripture Paul says test what you're hearing and then uh, he goes on in verse 22 he says abstain from every form of evil and then in verse 23 he closes out by saying may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And that's exactly what's going to happen to the Thessalonians. Verse 21, faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And he's telling them, God is going to finish what he started. He will bring it to pass, in other words. And he closes out this, this uh, 
um, this letter or this epistle. So what we see here is a bunch of encouragement of people who may have been scared. They may have missed the boat and they were wondering about the dead in Christ. And Paul is telling them, listen, I know things are hard right now. Hang in there and be encouraged because your day is coming and Jesus is going to take care of you. He won't forget you. So take encouragement. We live in difficult times, but we're not forgotten, and God is not going to leave believers behind. So I hope that helps you. Hey, listen. If listen to me, if you guys, uh, if you guys live in the central or west central Indiana area, and you're looking for a church, I would encourage you to come and test us out at Mount Pleasant Christian Church or Community Church of Mooresville. Now, Mount Pleasant Christian Church starts their worship time at 10 o'clock in the morning, and they are located at 5830 West Hurt Road, Monrovia, Indiana, 46157. Community Church starts their service at 1115. So if you're a late riser, you want to go to Community Church. If you're an early riser, go to Mount Pleasant Christian Church. And Community Church of Mooresville starts their service at 1115. They're located at 61 West Harrison Street in Mooresville, Indiana. And I would encourage you, if you need to find a church, you're welcome to come. At our church services, uh, masks are optional, and we're not afraid to shake your hand. Um, if you need to stay distanced from us, we're okay with that. But if you don't want to wear a mask, you don't have to wear one. You don't have to... Um, keep a six foot distance away from us we're not afraid of you so um, come and visit and uh, we would love to have you and I appreciate those of you who support this ministry thank you so much thank you for listening tell others about this podcast and uh, I, I just hope until next time that you keep growing in the Lord and, uh, and that you keep digging into his word and finding strength and encouragement. You guys take care. Have a great day. And if you want to write to me, I almost forgot. If you want to write to me, you can contact me. My email address is randy at creationanew.com. Feel free to email me. I'd love to love to chat with you. You take care. Bye-bye.